0: Welcome to the Rare and Remarkable podcast. Uh, this is Kathleen Palmer with RR Auction, and I am beside myself <laughs> excited to talk today with a woman who had uh, a job that I would have cut my right leg off for. Uh, her name is Therese Stolil, and she was personal assistant for the arguably most exciting decade of the career of the one and only Prince. And uh, I am just trying to sit on my hands and stay calm enough to talk to her today. So (laughs) thank you so much for talking with us today, Therese from sunny Arizona.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure.
0: (laughs) We're um, having another Prince auction in uh, February and Therese has been kind enough to share some of her mementos from working with Prince from 1986 to 1996, which, as I said, was, to me, one of the most exciting decades of his career and certainly a pivotal time of my life as well, becoming a huge fan of his. And um, I just can't wait to talk to you about what a great time it was for you there.
1: You know, Kathleen, in your intro, you did hit on two things. I knew I was one of the luckiest girls to be in the seat I was in. Mm. And I also agree with you. It was the best time of his career, in my opinion. The Mm. music was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. When I first started, I was hired as the archivist. And so I was privileged to hear all the unreleased material as he recorded it to transcribe lyrics and get it to the copyright office, oh, and it man. was just absolutely amazing. And Paisley Park was not even built yet when I started. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a small little office, and down the road was a big warehouse, which he had completely set up for, you know, a stage. The spiral staircase from the Purple Rain movie was there. It was all decked out, pool tables. It was just the mm-hmm. hang, and that's where he would be rehearse. -hmm. So, my job was to archive all the tapes. So, the tapes were always down in the warehouse, and every day I found every excuse. To go down, and oh, I think there's more tapes to log, and so I would listen to rehearsals. They were rehearsing for um, Sign of the Times tour, and it was just—I mean, the first time I heard you got the look, I'm like, "Whoa!" What I mean, it was—it was amazing. And I every day I would try to sneak down there and just hang out for two three hours and soak it all in. I mean, it was just phenomenal. The music he put out during that time was just amazing, and he. But don't don't get me wrong. The man honed his craft. He worked and he worked and he worked and he worked. So it when you went to see him live on tour, it looked flawless.
0: Absolutely. But
1: they they worked and they worked and they worked. And he took great pride in you know all of his shows, and uh, it it showed. And I mean you know the rehearsals. I mean not only le- learning what you the songs on the set list, but probably 50, 60, 70 more songs, because obviously Prince every night would pretty much every night (laughs) would have an after show part on tour. Right. I mean, it was always, um, I remember one time we went over to, uh, we were in London Mm -hmm. and I was sent out to scout a club to do the after show. And all of a sudden we hear this big boom. And I'm like, What was that? And some kid comes running in and says, "Uh, the IRA just set off a bomb. Oh, my God! And here's me, little girl from (laughs) Minneapolis, shaking in my boots, going, what are you talking about, a bomb? I mean, not in my vocabulary, not in my world, not in whatever. And, I mean, you know, and 20 minutes later, Prince calls and says, well, did you find a club? And I said, the bomb just went off. And he goes can you find another club? Just, I mean, just like, okay, keep going. And I'm like, all right. I mean, you know, it was just like, well, you know, and that's just how I was. Let's get the job done. And it was a fabulous after party that night, but uh, I was a little worse for wear, oh, but uh, oh my yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, the, like I said, he honed his craft, and I mean, I mean,
0: he sounds like he songs. he barely. I mean, I I knew that he barely slept in the more recent decades, but it sounds like I mean, if you're coming in every morning and there's a cassette tape on your table to transcribe, which is I think what you said yeah. in the
1: yeah.
0: on the in the catalog, yeah. you know, he, the, the he yeah. was just so, such a workhorse and was just so fastidious in yeah. his product. I mean, he every, he was the product and he every facet of that diamond was perfectly cut, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it literally just flowed out of him. It was amazing. And there were many, 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 many times that I would drive into Paisley Park down in the underground parking and park next to Prince's car that was still there from... Yesterday, mm-hmm. if not sometimes, still the day before. <sighs> I mean, yep. you know, we would just, you know, the engineers would go in 12 hour cycles and they would just, you know, and, and sometimes they would just get home because after Prince would wrap up a session, I mean, you know, you have to tear down the board, you have to like mark everything and put it, you know, so it's a good end process for the engineer probably two hours and then mm-hmm. by the time they get home and then you know I'd call him again and like he's up he wants to work again and <laughs> it's like oh my I mean we were burning guys out it was it was crazy. Yeah my, was crazy.
0: my engineer here is shaking his head at the 12 hour day right there. You know, oh meanwhile pr-
1: if you were yeah <laughs> if 12, 12 you were lucky. <laughs> if you were lucky. Yeah,
0: yeah, meanwhile Prince, is, <laughs> Prince has been up for uh, 24 hours he's had a couple pancakes yeah. and he's back in the studio.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so I mean you know, but that when he went on tours, when they all got re-energized and whatever. because. But then many times, if we were in London for three weeks, we'd rent a studio mm-hmm. so that he could uh, record there as well. I mean, you know, so, yeah, I would fly engineers over tapes, backline gear, everything. And it was just, yeah, wow. it, was a, it was a 24, 24, always the next video, the next record, the next, you know, the next, the next, the next. I mean, he was it was a whirlwind. I mean, a whirlwind. (laughs) Half the time you just like, I mean, you know, people like, Oh, didn't you like, you know, write right. No, there was no time to even look back on yesterday because today you had so much on your plate. It was Mm. always constant, constant. I remember sitting in his office probably an hour and a half, two hours. And we're just going over all this stuff. And he was working on the most beautiful girl the one-off that warner's allowed him to do mm-hmm. so he wanted to make a big deal out of it the video was a big deal with all these girls flying in from all over the country and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff and uh so we just had a long meeting and you know and uh i had a list nine pages long so of course after a two-hour meeting i run to the ladies room <laughs> and i barely get back to my desk and he's like did you get a hold of them yet? And I'm like, No, I just <laughs> went to the ladies' room. <laughs> I mean, you know, give me a minute. Yeah. So it was uh yeah, it was it was magical to say the least. Yeah. And uh but also I mean, you know, a great, great time. Um, you know, I never would have seen the world on a five star time like you no know. No kidding. Being in, and and to meet everybody who we met. When Prince played London I mean, everybody showed everybody. I mean, you know, it was like Duran Duran. were all at the soundboard with me one night, and one day I'm like back in catering, and I'm like, "Boy, that guy sure looks like Mick Jagger." And they're like, "That is Mick Jagger." Oh my god, hanging. He's been <laughs> hanging for twenty minutes just to try to meet Prince, and I'm like, "Oh my god," you know. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, and we had we had phenomenal parties at tramps one night and every, I mean, you know, from George Michael to Boy George to Kate Bush to, Mm -hmm. I mean, like anybody who was anybody at the time, everybody wanted to hear and see a Prince show.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you know, I think about, you know, half a century of existing personally and all the... You know, I've gone certainly through my phases of music loving and, and mm-hmm. preferences of musicians and stuff. There was only one musician I ever wanted to meet, and that was Prince, because yeah. I just you 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 felt all that hard work that he poured into it, and you you knew yeah. that he was he just had that winsome that 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 gleam in his eye that you just thought he must be the coolest person to hang out with. Just, yeah, yeah. Like you had said, um, you know, you said that he was extremely, sm- he was an extremely smart, articulate man with a very, very quick wit. And, you oh, know,
1: he was funny. Yeah. He was funny. People just, uh, I mean, you know, sitting in his office and just cracking jokes and mm-hmm. just, you know, whatever, you're just like, wow, if people could see this side. But of course he didn't. He just kept it to, you know, the close people that, pay- I mean, he yeah. just. He, he, there was, I, I've never seen in my life another human being have the um, presence when he walked into the room.
0: Absolutely. I mean,
1: it was like we had a a huge party out at Paisley Park one night for the after party of the Special Olympics. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the Kennedys were there, the Shrivers were there, Warren Beatty was there, (laughs) I mean, Christy Alley was there, it was Hollywood, it was politics, Mm -hmm. it was some high-profile people. And Prince walked in and a hush.
0: The air just got sucked out of the room. It just (laughs) was amazing
1: to witness. To just see the mystery this man and the aura he just carried, people just parted like, oh, yeah. princess here, princess here. And you could just hear it vibrate. It was just, it was, it was magical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just, I've never seen another human being have that,
0: Mystique. you know,
1: yeah, exactly, he cultivated exactly. that
0: perfectly. and just. So I it- know,
1: because yet alone the next day you could be sitting in his office and have a turkey sandwich and just hanging out watching videos. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, you know, so it's it's the dichotomy of the weirdness. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I remember going to Wembley one time. He had played Wembley, the old Wembley Stadium, yep. hold 110,000 people. It was a beautiful... It was in the summer. I do remember that because it was quite warm. Mm-hmm. But I mean there was just a sea of bodies all, it was between the opening act before Prince came on. Mm -hmm. I'm a sea of bodies just chanting Prince, Prince, Prince. And I just, you know, our crew's changing gear and everybody's running around on skates. And I just snuck out and stood in the middle of that and went, how does he do this? (laughs) I mean, it was just like, wow, I got spine, you know, and then, but so that's one day in his life. And then, (laughs) Five days later, we're sitting in Chanhassen, you know.
0: He's playing some basketball in the driveway. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, it was just, yeah. It Uh, was
0: amazing. It
1: was, yeah, it was amazing. It was fun. He was, like I said, he was witty. He drove us hard. I mean, you know, a lot of work to do. It just, like I said, it flowed out of him. Mm -hmm. And we had to somehow try to keep up. Um, But, uh, but we was, did somehow. <laughs> I mean, you know. It was yeah, it was twenty four seven. But I mean, you know, it was that's what it was and we just all felt as a team, we were a family, we mm-hmm. were a team, mm-hmm. and we took everybody took great pride. No no matter what your part, if you were the chef, if you were the you know, whatever, we mm-hmm. all worked together to, you know, help him succeed and see his vision come true. Yeah. I mean, well that's you great know, because yeah.
0: What was, I mean, was there such a thing as a regular work day for you when you were in Chanhassen? I mean, obviously on the road, yes. things come up, but, you know, it's like you showed, did you have to like, I, I need you there at seven, Therese, because I will have been up um, all night. <laughs>
1: no, no. He just would record and do his thing. I mean, like I said, I think we started at about 10 in the morning mm-hmm. and worked till whatever. Um but, I mean, you know, he always knew where to found, find us. I mean, I yeah. remember when I got my first, uh, because when I started, nobody even had cell phones. That's all- what
0: I was thinking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, and then I got my first, Prince went up, left on tour, and I was like, okay, now I can kind of, you know, because I didn't always go on the road by any means. Mm-hmm. I kind of held down the fort. Mm-hmm. And um I remember I was out to dinner with some friends, and my cell phone rang, and it was Prince in Australia. And I thought, life is over as I know it. <laughs> I can now be re- – I mean, like, you know, that was our first big – everybody had a cell phone. It was like, wow, life really changed. But, you know, he would also give you your space. I mean, you know, if you didn't answer- – I didn't get up at 2 in the morning every day to answer the phone if he called. I Mm -hmm. mean, if he was waiting on, you know, Mo Austin or somebody important or something, you know, of course. (laughs) But if it was the day-to-day, you know... I mean, I got a good night's sleep most nights just because <laughs> I... Well, I mean, I did, and he That's allowed good. me that. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you, you didn't know, know, feel
0: but, like, you're not, you know, you're not Smithers to his Mr. Burns where you're you're no, ex- no, some exhausted, no. long-suffering personal no, assistant. No, and I mean, you
1: know, Prince would come into the office every single day when he was off tour in, in Chanasson. I mean, every single day would go over the mail, would go over who called. Mm-hmm. I mean, just mm-hmm. your normal office day-to-day business. I mean, you know, work on... You know, lyrics, work on album credits, whatever he was doing at the time, scripts for, you know, videos or, you know, or just hanging out with friends and, you know, arranging Mm -hmm. dinners or doing all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he always checked in. He always checked in if he was on tour every day. I would at least hear from him once or twice to, like, what's going on and who's calling and how are we doing with that. I mean, he was very very business. It was that business at hand. And, uh, but then yet he would, you know, like I said, go shoot a hoop, uh, a game of hoops with the guys. I mean, you know, or he'd rent out a movie theater and we'd all go to the movie at, you know, midnight or whatever. and, (laughs) And just, you know, I mean, he knew, I mean, I think it was a little more casual at the beginning. Um, I remember at the old warehouse, we actually shot a movie and I can see it was like it was yesterday. Prince was on top of a truck with a megaphone directing. And it, was just, it was just hysterical. We went to the local costume shop and got costumes. And it was just like everybody played a part. It was just it was so much fun. Awesome. I mean, it was just, yeah, it was just fun. And it forever became this, the movie we called Hard Life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he made a couple of VHS copies and it forever lived in the vault. But, you know, the vault, the infamous vault. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But time forward, like to 1991, I think we made that movie in 86 or 87. So one day he's in the studio, my phone rings and I see the number come up on the screen and I know he's in Studio A. He said, can you come down here? I said, sure. I grab a pen and paper and go down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I walk into Studio A, and he and Kim Basinger are sitting at the council, mm-hmm. and they are so close. They have become one sitting there. <laughs> and he says, have a seat. I sit down. He hits the play button, and up on the monitor is the movie Hard Life. Uh-huh. From five years ago. <laughs> then he kind of fast forwards. He gets to the scene I'm in. He hits the freeze button and he looks at him and he goes, that's Therese. And they both just burst out <laughs> laughing, just laughing. She's, I mean, and I'm, he goes, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it was 1987, and my perm would have given poison a run for their money. Yeah. I get it. I get it. My hair, you know, and they were just giggling. I mean, you know, and like I said, I'm a big girl. I can take it, you know. So, it's, But now he's, like, laughing hysterically for, like, a minute, and he's almost rolling on the floor. So I, like, like, I get up, and I leave, and I just hear that. Gotcha! Laugh that Prince had, like <laughs> you know, he just loved his little pranks like that. He and he caught me more than a hundred times. I can't even tell you. I, I've heard but that. He just loved like
0: he was a prankster.
1: Yes. yes, he was, and he just loved it. You know. So they must have been and,
0: down there. Uh, were they working on the Batman soundtrack? Or I mean, I know that uh, he kind of had a little funny. crush on her. which was one of the reasons he wanted to.
1: (laughs) No, the Batman movie was already done. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, she just came, kind of entered our lives at Paisley Park for a while and uh, hung out and sweetest lady ever. She was just phenomenal. Awesome. What a nice lady. Um, Yeah, they were just hanging out for a while.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I tried to write down um, all the albums that, Came out from when you were working there, and uh, I just—oh my gosh—I just can't even believe. It. It's like you started yeah. in June of '86, so he was yes. now. Was he te- was he on tour when you started working for him? Because it looks um, like he was like that was like the hit and run parade tour zone.
1: Uh, he actually, actually, that um, when I interviewed for the job, he was still in. And Alan and all those the management were still in France mm-hmm. shooting under the cherry moon, oh man, the day I started was the end very i think it was the last day of June, and they were literally leaving that day for Sheridan, Wyoming mm. for the big premiere of the movie, yeah, um, yeah, so. Yeah, and then it was just
0: and then uh, it was sign of the times that, and love sexy yeah. and Batman and graffiti bridge and diamonds and pearls yeah. and like oh the yeah. gold experience and now yeah. were you still with him when he was doing um the emancipation album?
1: He was recording it. Yes.
0: Yeah. I yes. mean, that that uh-huh. was an interesting time of his life
1: with that yes. whole situation. Yeah. Um yeah, it got more uh you know, he just was unhappy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he just
1: wanted to be. You know, and it just got. You know, I think it took a lot of his energy, and you know, the the uh, trying to get out of that contract and do all that. So, I mean, you know, it, it became a difficult time for him for sure. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, another another interesting time, of course, was <laughs> one of the um, things that you're you've been kind enough to. Uh, share with our friends here in the auction i believe are are you are you the one that's giving us one of these black albums
1: or no i think no i'm not okay
0: well there there no. you were there for that though that was 1987
1: absolutely Yikes.
0: absolutely i mean yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of you know wondering around that album where he was just he, he, like at the very last minute, he just said, you know what? I, I, I don't want to release this. And
1: and it was the last minute. Yeah. It then, was the last minute. And then we I got Love Sexy my, out
0: of it. So that was great.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Which was also a big deal because I remember when Warner's called to tell him that both um, Kmart and Walmart weren't going to stock it because of the album cover. And <laughs> oh my God, you know, and, it, and the Tipper Gore thing. I mean, it <sighs> was just like, well, I mean, you know, it was.
0: I like how that was yeah. the line. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, exactly. of all the things,
0: right from you know, "Dirty Mind" on that. that like, yeah. Oh well, he, he's he's posed in a dainty manner, <laughs> like <Slight Yeah. laughs> on the cover, with uh, you know, everything covered, but still, yeah, exactly. it's funny.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's yeah.
0: funny when you think back now about the things that are out there in the for public consumption, and exactly. Uh, tipper gore was losing her mind back oh, yeah. in the eighties.
1: yeah it was a big deal and prince was just like i don't get it that's my you know persona so yeah yeah
0: what do you think um what do you think people would be surprised to know about him is there anything you know i mean i like the only thing that got me through that April, we'll just say, um, was getting to hear these stories from the people that worked with him and that were his friends about, as you said, how funny he was and how, yeah. and all of his philanthropy and stuff that he was just adamant that had to be kept anonymous and all that. Um, but I, I can't even go there and I'm sure you can't either but we can talk about the 80s and maybe there was something you know funny about you know one day when the revolution was there and you know they were being goofballs or I mean is there anything that happened that people would be surprised to know about him you think besides the fact that he was a killer basketball player every day was
1: (laughs) yeah but I mean you know it was it was rehearsal and whatever Mm and uh hanging out. I mean, he had more parties than I can even begin to tell you. If any band was in town, I mean, we would host them that night. I mean, from Madonna to Aerosmith to Bon Jovi to Mm -hmm. like, you know, come on, hang out at uh, Paisley Park. Sometimes he'd play, sometimes he wouldn't, but we always, you know, he was, he he was so proud of Paisley Park and he was very, um, took great pride in being from Minnesota. I mean, he really did, yeah, I mean, we had a conversation one time of, you know why are they why everyone expects me to you know be in l a and you know he said, I mean, I think he appreciated our little Midwest work ethic. Mm-hmm. I mean he was not gonna be um have a staff full of people that had to leave because they had an audition or they had a read through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we were in the middle of nowhere and our only task was to, you know, was at hand mm-hmm. of princes, you know. I mean, you weren't working for IBM who had a board of directors. You knew you were working for one guy and this was it. It was, you mm-hmm. know, his way or, you know, he had a vision. So, I mean, you know, it wasn't your typical job to begin with, obviously. I mean, this wasn't, you know, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, but he was always, um, I do want to say one thing with all of this, you know, sexual allegation things and all this stuff going on in Hollywood. Mm. Prince. I, I, I mean, I can't even tell you how respectful he was of women he would always open the door and always you know always please and thank you prince never ever ever swore in front of us i mean mm-hmm. ever he was i mean he was he, he treated the women around him with so much respect it In hindsight, I mean, you know, you kind of took it for granted back then, but then all these headlines coming out today and you're like, Mm -hmm. wow. I mean, he was a perfect gentleman. I mean, there were, I mean, I remember when he called me and he he was trying to describe the suit he wanted to wear on the MTV Awards, the yellow suit with the, and he literally (laughs) hemmed and hawed on how to say um, uh, I mean, he was like, how do I say this without, you know, <laughs> a, a, I mean, he was very respectful of how I was going to,
0: Because of the back know, of the pants? And, and even, <laughs> Is that absolutely. You, that's what you're getting at? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. He for, said, for those um, of you who
0: don't know, um, the back of those pants were, were not yeah, there.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so he was like, I, I want it yellow and I want it made out of lace and, um, um, no, No bottom. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, got it. You got it, boss. Yeah. So, I mean, but he just, he was never, he was phenomenal. And I do say he was. And I think the other thing that is always surprising to me is not only how articulate he was, Mm -hmm. but his English teacher Whoever he or she was, he he was a perfect speller. His penmanship was amazing. Yes. I mean, and (laughs) he commanded the English language and the grammar. Mm -hmm. uh, Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, he was just, I mean, most people would come to Paisley Park and have a business meeting where there was a new lawyer, a representative from Warner Brothers, and I'd take them into Prince's office, they'd have their meeting, and I'd come and escort them out, and they're like, oh, I had no idea. He was so articulate. I'm like, yeah, this wasn't a kid from, the, I mean, you know, yeah. he's very smart, very um, you know articulate and they were also always so blown away how charming he was and mm. i'm like oh yeah oh yeah, yeah.
0: gosh i yeah i, I knew you were going to say that you know i just i you can just that's that's how i always oh, yeah. pictured him just you know mick jagger has like a marketing degree from college it's like there there are people in the music business that that get they 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 have to be a businessman and they have to be you have to have a level of intelligence to go with your drive if you're going to get to the level of someone like Prince. And you can't, I mean, he played, what, 22 instruments? I mean, yeah. I the, like the Around the World in a Day album, I think he played everything on it. I, yep. I listened to that yep. cassette literally every day. He,
1: he, yeah. <laughs> yes. The only thing he never mastered or even tried to play were horns. <laughs> So we had the fabulous Eric Leeds and Atlanta Bliss, right? And the, you know, to come in and do horn overdubs. But otherwise, Prince could be alone in, in the studio for, you know, five days and mix it, do it, whatever. Yeah. And like I said, cassette on my desk, going, "Can you please do the lyrics?" And it was funny because when I started, I had this little boombox on mm-hmm. my desk that I would put the cassette in and just rewind and rewind and just listen and transcribe the lyrics. I think he got a little, after we went from 24 track to 48 track, there was a lot more overdubs and Mm -hmm. I was missing a few words here and there. Mm -hmm. So finally he took me down to the studio one day and he said, I'm going to show you how to, you know, thread this machine. So we took a 24 track and he literally showed me how to tape, roll the tape and, (laughs) and thread the tape. And Mm -hmm. he said, put in the headphones, track 16. It's always going to be my vocal. So then I could solo out the vocal, and things went blood <laughs> Yeah, it's, because so I just, mean, yeah.
0: So when he wrote the songs, he just sang the lyrics. He he like right out of his body and never wrote them down until somebody no, wrote them down worked, for him? It, or, no,
1: it or worked just, both ways. Yeah. It worked both ways. Um, he, he had an apartment in Paris for years and mm-hmm. he would, he came back always seemed to have a notebook full of songs. Mm-hmm. He would just get so inspired over there and whatever. And he would come back and just record. Now, whether he sometimes would give me a lyric sheet, sometimes he wouldn't, mm-hmm. most times not. And just, you know, have me transcribe him. So he wrote quite a bit. He did write quite a bit um, lyrics down on paper, but they were always in the twenty-four track box. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think he just you know it worked both ways. Yeah,
0: I mean we've had you his know? we've we've had we've offered his his lyrics his handwritten yeah. lyrics before, which is it's heartwarming to just see his handwriting. You know and. And and I mean like the and the little like the little post it notes that he gave to you that are like you know, little the little yeah. pink heart post-it note where Yeah. Well, like you said, it's yeah. not it's not, you know, take care of this, do this, you know, I'm Prince, I'm a superstar. It's, can you please get this to yeah. Joe Blow yeah. and can you please yeah. make sure that you know yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you're just always respectful and uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: I mean every one of us is on payroll. I mean, but it wasn't like you're on payroll. It was like, please, we were co-workers. We were, and I mean, you know, I do have to say being there as long as I I was, I mean, you know, Prince and I did get along famously. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was never, I mean, he never even raised his voice to me. I mean, you know, he was just, you know, I was there to do what he needed to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was on his side. Side. I mean, yeah. I was on his team. I oh. mean, he knew that I was. You know, so we got along great. Oh, we got along wonderful. great. Um, yeah, I'm so I'm so wonderful. happy
0: for you, Therese. I can't even tell you. <laughs> yeah. No, I have
1: some, you know, amazing, amazing memories that are only mine. That I just mm-hmm. it feels so privileged to have been a part of just a snapshot of history, musical history that just no one else on the planet can even. It's yeah, yeah. He was none other like him. I mean, none other. Mm-hmm.
0: It was just
1: mm-hmm. magical. Is all I can really say. Yep. Even well, even just you know whether it was on tour or just hanging in his office and uh, yeah, it and just an was an amazing time. He yep. was a, uh at that time he was just the trailblazer, and every day it was just a new adventure. Just straight you know? up. Yeah, I mean, you know, and he was famous for you know like call me in the morning, go tell him, i want to go to Paris tomorrow. Okay. I mean, you know, he doesn't just go to Paris. I mean, you've got a valet, you've got to open the apartment in Paris and get it all ready. You've got a shop, you've got a hairdressers. Val- I mean, yep. you know, yep. and they, you, send, you send them all on their way to start prepping the house and then he'll show up the next day. Well, you know, by six in the afternoon, no, nah, I'm going to go to L.A. instead.
0: <laughs> I just put twelve
1: people on a plane to Paris, and I mean, you know, so it was just. But that's how it worked, and you just had to just like you know. Yeah,
0: I, I saw this really funny little detail. Um, when we had the had one again. Ad, we had an annotated script for Under the Cherry Moon, and um, there was a little story that even though the the movie was shot in black and white, he he still insisted that one of the. Like the glamour cars that he had, it had to be purple, <laughs> even yeah. though the whole thing was going to be shot in yeah. black and white. But because, you know, that was his yeah. signature color. But
1: <laughs> uh, One night we were on the Diamonds and Pur- Pearls tour in mm-hmm. uh, London. Mm-hmm. I think he did 15 straight nights at Earl's Court. Oh, man. And uh, one of the nights, the house lights went up show was over and I was always in the back backstage with his hairdresser ready to jump in the chase car. So we would get out of there pretty quickly Mm -hmm. um, because he actually had a police escort back to the hotel every night. So you could be back in your room in 20 minutes, whereas the band was in the tour bus. It would take forever. (laughs) So I always jumped in the uh, chase car. So one night Prince comes down off stage and I'm like, why is he not getting in the car? And he's just hanging there on the... um, ramp. And then the lights are up and I'm like, why aren't we going? All of a sudden I hear, I see him go back on stage and he straps on his guitar. Mm-hmm. And you can hear this throughout the, he's back on stage, he's back on stage. All these kids who had been halfway out in the parking lot <laughs> make a run back <laughs> to the stage. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I think we got fined because we were well over curfew for the building at that point. We heard a girl broke her leg back in the uh, shuffle, but he got his headline the next day. I mean, you know, Yep. and it was just, yeah. It I was, know. I
0: can't believe he would then, I mean, he would play, I saw him several times, and I can't believe that he could then subsequently play more. I mean, every, yes. everybody I hear, it's like, and then at three in the morning at Miami Beach, yeah. <laughs> some yes. nightclub. It's like, yes. there yes. he is. Yes.
1: It's amazing. Absolutely. And I mean, you know. Boundless energy. I, there were many times even Sheila would come off stage and her hands were bleeding.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: I mean, yes. I mean, you know, it was just. It took a t- I mean, on those drumsticks and whatever. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, and the horn players, they're like, I just, you know. My lips are going to fall off. T- <laughs> well, seriously, when you have a three-hour, you could easily have a three-hour sound check, then an hour and a half show and play at an after party for another two or three hours. A
0: three-hour sound I mean, check?
1: Easily sometimes. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Yes, yes.
0: The show before the show.
1: Absolutely. So it was, yeah. Yeah, so those musicians always earn their money. <laughs> yeah. I mean it was it was crazy. I
0: I love this letter that he wrote to Tom Moon. Yes. That is I yes. mean, Tom Moon was a music reviewer for Rolling Stone, for those of you who don't know, and he was a big fan of Princes apparently except for this one album that he's kinda dinged him for and uh Prince picked up a pen and wrote him a letter and said,
1: "Yeah, well, let's let's exactly. talk about that." And it, and it's very the letter is very interesting for him to reference Camille mm-hmm. and how he writes and the writing process. It's, yeah, it's, it's very re- interesting. It's
0: very insightful and mm-hmm. and I mean just I mean he, that there's joy and repetitions like I know that song. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's a exactly. it's a really cool letter where he where he explains his process and. I love the the thing about how, you know, songs are like, they're like children and the, the, you have to nurture them. He and always
1: said that. Yes. That's just. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. And, I, and sometimes he would birth them overnight, but sometimes <laughs> it would take, you know.
0: That would be a, uh, a, a great memento to have his personal yes. insight yeah. into how he writes and how he does this process. It's, and especially with like you said with the with his persona of Camille and and all that it's um it's another one of yeah. those mysterious parts of him that we didn't really get uh, privy exactly. to understanding.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully some lucky buyer will enjoy that for cuz it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it really is. I, I love working here. I mean, it was, it was really funny um Bobby actually told me to mention when um my my job before working with our auction was I was the entertainment editor at a newspaper here, and um, oh. uh, people were pre- people. It was pretty well known that I was madly in love with Prince and everything about him, and uh, I had interviewed uh, Bobby because he's also a musician and. Uh, Bobby called me up one day from RR Auction, and he told me, "Hey, you know, there's some really cool items here uh, that belong to Prince, and maybe you would like to stop by and see them." And I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was ten minutes before I was uh, racing in the front door of RR Auction, and I, yeah. I got to see one of his. And hold one of his canes and and I got to touch one of the tambourines and um, yeah. his you know little vest and just <laughs> yeah I mean and now I work here and I've gotten to be here for three collections of Prince artifacts and it's just for for fans you know these people that are sharing these items with us are not giving them lightly, you know, they have their, you have your beautiful memories and you, you're sharing this with people because you know that we all loved him and that all of us, would love to have something of his and and I, and I, I think it's it's important that people know that this is this decision was not made lightly by you or any of the other people that are
1: exactly. I mean these were our you know, these are our snapshots of our lives at that time and mm-hmm. and uh, every one of those things means a great deal to me. but like you said, I mean, you know, I think I'd rather have somebody else enjoy them and really treasure them and I have my memories.
0: Exactly. But well, we are we're extremely grateful that you uh, are willing to do that with us. And and I personally am very grateful that you talked to me today. It was really um, wonderful to, to get to hear somebody who lived with him, you know, in such an intimate manner for uh, a part of my life that I just would... Be in my room listening to his music, longingly wondering yeah. what he was like and what his world yeah. was like and what was his day like. And
1: yeah, it was <laughs> magical. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was a lot of hard work, a lot of Absolutely. sleepless nights, mm-hmm. and uh, it was my, you know, my dream job for sure. I mean, I was actually living in New York at the time. I'm a native Minnesotan, but I had moved out to New York. Mm -hmm. And a real good friend of mine um, was already working for Prince. And I heard he was going to be building this Paisley Park. And I said, Cubby, Mm -hmm. um, if you ever hear of any job opening, let me know. I think I'm going to move back to Minnesota. I've had my fill of New York. (laughs) And... uh, he said, well, they haven't even started Build It yet or whatever, So, mm-hmm. but I'll keep you posted. And one day the phone rang. I had already moved back um, just a couple of months, and he said, they're looking for someone to archive his tapes. Ugh. And, uh, yeah, so I called Susan Rogers. We met the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved her the second I met her. <laughs> sweet, wonderful, fabulous woman she was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, got the job and she took me over to Prince's house to start logging these tapes. And I, they were literally stacked to the ceiling downstairs in his basement where the studio was. They were on the pool table. They were everywhere that you couldn't even move. And yep. she goes, yeah, this is our problem. We can't keep up. We can't keep up. And it was funny because when we moved into Paisley park, um, We went to the hardware store and literally started buying garage shelving to put in the vault. And I think there were five or six, you know, shelving units when I started. And when I left, it was completely up and down, in and around, and I was double stacking tapes. And that was in 90. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. think of even the years. After I left, I yep. mean,
0: amazing. You know,
1: it was yeah. There was just like tapes upon tape. I mean, the the music that is still in that vault to me. There's just so many incredible, beautiful songs. I mean, he had given a song um, to Celine Dion mm-hmm. called "With This Tear," and uh, the cassette. He sent her with his vocal on it, which I pray to God she still has, Mm -hmm. was one of the most haunting vocal performances I've ever heard by Prince. I I mean, I just remember getting goosebumps because he said, you know, type up the lyrics and send them to her with this cassette. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, oh, my God. I mean, there's so many still amazing songs down there I just
0: hope I uh, I know I don't know what's going to happen with that stuff and I just I
1: know I know
0: and then I hear stories about like stuff that he recorded that you know, one of one of his. I, I saw I saw some interview with some assistant that was saying she, you know, was the most like you said, like that kind of a haunting, incredible work. Mm-hmm. And when he was done, he just looked at her and he says, "No, I I don't I don't like it." And he start and he's going to just delete it, like rewind and delete over it. And she's like, yeah. "Are you sure you want to do that? Can't we please put a, yeah. it in the vault?" And he's like, "Nope." And she's like, so I, so me and him are the only ones that ever heard that music. And I'm just like, oh. (laughs) I know. I think about, I think about songs like, um, Condition of the heart was one of the songs that i I would listen to almost every day. And it's something that hardly anyone knows. and it's off the around the world in a day song uh, album. and and it's just it's so it sounds so personal and heartbreaking. And he's talking about being a lonely musician. and he's talking about, you know, women, this woman in Paris he wrote a letter to, and this woman from london. and And I was just thinking, Oh, is this true? Did, did this really happen to you? Who hurt you, Prince? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I, yeah.
0: I just I hope that well, we do get kind, to. Well, he
1: kind of was a lonely musician at times. Sure. I mean, you know, I remember one Christmas Eve. There were like most people had left for the holiday already, and I think it was myself, Michelle, um, who was a office assistant. She worked for Paisley Park Records, mm-hmm. and Mike Crantz, who his was his guitar tech Mm -hmm. Um, and he was just I was upstairs wrapping Christmas gifts, FedEx was coming in 20 minutes and I was just (laughs) wrapping gifts he wanted to send and Mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden this this guitar is just wafting throughout the building. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? And it's getting more furious and more intense and more. It was just like, wow. Mm -hmm. I walked out of the conference room and I'd like looked over the railing. I'm like, Mike, did you hear this? (laughs) It was like, he goes, yeah, I got goosebumps. I mean, it was just amazing. And I mean, the hair was just standing on the Mm -hmm. back of my neck and going, oh my God. I mean, he was just Pouring his heart out in yep. his guitar solo, that was just.
0: I mean, that's phenomenal. how you feel even just hearing something that we've all heard. The the you know in the the song "Purple Rain." I mean, you hear it and you. Mm. I mean, what's that? There's 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 a famous alleged quote. I, I I can't speak to the proof of it, but where someone asked Eric Clapton, "What's it feel like to be the?" best guitar player on the planet, and he said, I don't know, you should ask Prince. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's
0: astonishing. Astonishing.
1: Yeah. He was put on this earth, and, uh, you know, Mm. for that, and he knew that, and he wanted to, you know, just as long as it flowed, he needed to get it out. (laughs) Yep.
0: I can't believe how prolific he was. It's astonishing, the the body of work. No, it is
1: astonishing, because he... No, it is astonishing because he could have, he could deliver an album to Warner Brothers and Moe and Lenny might call and say, you know, we need a little something more radio friendly. And I mean, you know, the next morning cassette on my desk, send this to Mo and Lenny and see if that works. I mean, it's just like, okay. I mean.
0: Amazing. Just
1: like, yeah. Like it, you said, it, magical. It was, <laughs> yeah. And I just, it was, it was a job in itself to keep up with just his writing. Sure. His own, his life, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: A million thanks, Therese, for talking with no, me today. No,
1: it was, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. You were fabulous. So,
0: well, I, and, I certainly loved hearing every last bit of it, and uh, I, uh, I thank you for uh, sharing your your memories with us here at RR Auction and join us for the incredible collection of Prince artifacts. From February 8th through the 15th is the bidding at rrauction.com. Until next time, I'm Kathleen Palmer. Thanks for joining us.